Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Cousins in the pocket, he's hit and sacked, and the ball is free. It bounces around inside the 15, and Denver's got it. Shelby Harris got the football. Harris came from the blind side and hit Kirk Cousins right in the back. This is Shell Shocked. Quick pass to the middle, intercepted in the end zone. Intercepted by Shelby Harris, the defensive lineman with the play of the game. The Shelby Harris Podcast. Four-man pressure, Carl looks for the end zone, throws the ball. It is deflected, and two-point conversion is nullified. Guess who? Shelby Harris, 10th pass deflection of the season. Defensive end Shelby Harris with Brandon Kristall. Shelby, plenty to talk about in the world of sports, but before we get to all of it, I guess I need to ask you, how was... The weekend in Milwaukee. I know you obviously got to see your Bucks and 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 the Celtics play. You were there though, as you told us last week, for your grandmother's memorial service. I tried to sneak over there with my little one and, and use the companion pass, but just couldn't make it work. Unfortunately, how'd everything go though? It was good. It was, you know, a good celebration of life. I, I really think my grandma would be happy that, you know, my family's not the closest, but I think she'd be happy that everyone came together for her. You know, and then after, you know, we went over to her house and, and you know, we just hung out and just, you know, just talking about all the old times. And it was, you know, a lot of that family I haven't seen since I was eight, nine. And then they're like, oh, wow, you've gotten big. I was like, yeah, you know, <laughs> a, lot, a lot has changed since I was eight. But it was just it was something it was it was special. And it was nice that I was able to get back and and, and really be there for. You know, my grandma, you know, it was weird as hell. You know, the first time, you know, when we get back Thursday, I go in my grandma's room and her medical, you know, her bed's gone. She had a medical bed, you know, at the end, but it was just, you know, it made you break down. And it's just so much stuff that's happened this off season, you know, and then the top of the office for my grandma, you know, it's, it's it's been tough. But then, you know, the one thing I, I, I have been smiling about and something I completely forgot about until I think yesterday, the day before, is I have a bunch of voicemails from my grandma. And so it's like, you know, something special that I'll always be able to hear a voice and always be able to be there with her. Well, this is where the beauty of you and I being pals is maybe we can figure out a way that I can get it put into MP3 form so that you can have it saved as a file in the cloud or in your email. So it's not just on your phone or in your phone voicemail. In fact, you can probably forward them to me. I know we're doing this here on our podcast, but that way you'll have them literally forever. So I think that's one thing we could we can get done for you. Well, yeah, you know, I, I'm pretty sure, you know, I mentioned something to my wife and I'm just going to call it out now. I can definitely see her doing something like putting it in a in a teddy bear or doing something like that sure. where, you know, something where you could always keep her close. Sure. And so, you know, it was good to get born. You know, I haven't been back, really been back in a while. I went back with my um but Evelyn to go see my grandma last time, but I really didn't do anything. But it was nice to get back. We went to the Bucks game, watched the Bucks beat the Celtics. I think it's more, you know, that that's just showing what's more is more to come. You know, more <laughs> W's to come in the playoffs. But it was just it was just nice to 
you know, be back. And, and you know, Milwaukee necessarily hasn't, you know, I haven't been back much at, at all lately, but it was just, you know, nice to go see old friends and, and, you know, just think about the old times and kind of just reminisce. Well, look, you can't predict the future just like you didn't expect to be traded. But I imagine in the back of your mind, you or your wife don't expect you'll ever actually live in Milwaukee. Nonetheless, Milwaukee's always going to be your home in so many ways because it's obviously where you spent your life and, and the bulk of your family is, you know, your life as a kiddo. And, and you love Wisconsin and love your Milwaukee teams. So I got to think that going back there, although it was obviously sad in nature fundamentally, like you said, it was a great celebration of life. And you're reminded that, oh, this is, I'm, I like where I'm from and I'm going to make a point to keep coming back over and over, not just when there's a big event, whether that be a Bucks playoff game and or because someone passes. Well, you know, Milwaukee is home. It's where I grew up. And to tell the truth, we will never live in Milwaukee. That is that. Like, I'm sorry. Like, Milwaukee is the, the perfect place to go for me for three days, max. You go for three days, get in, get out. And then, you know, refresh and go back because if you're from Milwaukee, it's draining. But, man, it was just it, – it was it was real nice to go back. And, and, you know, now that my grandma's passed, now it kind of changes how I look at Milwaukee because I really necessarily don't have ties to Milwaukee like that. Really the main reason I would go back is to see my grandma. And so it's just – it's kind of like a new chapter, you know, for me going to Milwaukee because it's just uh, – you know, you have to figure out what its value is because there's nothing really for me there. So, you know, that's I guess that's just the casualty of growing up. But, man, but still, it's always going to be where I'm from. You know, I'm always going to rep the 414 everywhere I'm at. The funny thing is my dad lives in Milwaukee, and I visit him a handful of times, but don't visit him too much for kind of a number of reasons. But growing up in Dallas, my whole family was there, and now I just have some cousins that are there because my grandparents passed, and my folks moved to Chicago, and now they're in Florida my mom and stepdad, my sister's in New York. I have not been to D Dallas, Texas since 2014, right after I got married, the Final Four. Was, I've been to San Antonio, been to Houston for a Final Four and a Super Bowl, blew out of Houston the other day. I have not been in Dallas in eight years. And don't. And after missing the Broncos-Cowboys this year, I don't know when I'm going back, but it's still going to always be where I'm from. And that's, and, and that's just what it is. You know what I mean? And, and that's the craziest part about it is, you know, your hometown where you're from, and, and, you know, where you end up, you know, usually are two different things. And then, you know, with the older you get, people start dying and, and people start moving ties. You know, all your friends will start moving. And so then it's just like, well, what's the point of going back? You know, and like if you have nothing to go back, go there for, it's like I have no reason to go to Santa Fe, New Mexico. That's why I've never been to Santa Fe, New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> you you know go to Meow so, Wolf, but we have a Meow Wolf in Denver now. So you don't have to go Exactly. To you know what I mean? So it's just I have no reason to go to Boston. Never been to Boston. You know, I have no ties to Boston. You know, and that's kind of just what it's becoming. It's what ties do you really have to go places. And it's not like Milwaukee's a place you just want to go and lay on the beaches of Lake Michigan. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just, it's a different type of place, but, you know, it definitely will always be near and dear to my heart. And let's be honest, that's why some cities' tourism is higher. Miami, Vegas, Southern California, New York, right? Chicago in the summertime especially. It's just going to be different, and there's some places, you know, Nashville is certainly, Nash Vegas, that's a place people go as a destination that they just, you know, didn't, maybe didn't uh, back in the day as much as they do in the last 10, 15 years. New Orleans, of course, which is a city that you'd never really been to, and now you've been there a few times, and, and I know that it grew on you very quickly. So 
Uh, the other thing too is we're kind of we hope moving out of the pandemic or moving further away and managing it even better is you just realize how to value your time and who you spend your time with, right? And there's so many people that you maybe haven't seen in a while that you're excited to see again. And there's probably some people that you haven't seen and you're like, you know what? Nothing's really changed. I, I, I don't need to see them. I haven't seen them. <laughs> and they know how to find me on social media and they'll keep keep in touch on the internet. But I don't need to go out of my way to make time to see them and vice versa. Yeah, man, it's just, you know, you grow old and start growing apart. This is life, you know, and that's, and that's something that we all try to fight. You know, we all try to fight losing touch with people, and we all try to fight, you know, the times where, you know, you just don't feel like going out anymore. You don't feel like doing anything. You know, you just start, you just start getting older. So it's just a matter of, you know, who's going to stick around with you <laughs> While, while you're going through your changes of what you like and who's changing with you and who's changing, you know, who's not changing. And everyone always says, you know, especially, you know, if you come from, you know, poverty or something like that, are, you know, a lot of people always say, you ch- well, you've changed. Well, you're supposed to change. <laughs> right. You're, you're not right. supposed to be the same person you are, you were when you were 15, 16. You know, you're supposed, you're supposed to change. You're not supposed to be doing the same shit you were doing at 18, at 32. You know, so, you know, that that that's life for everyone. Everyone goes through these changes in friendships and relationships for people who don't grow at the rate that they're growing or they're growing too fast for, you know, they're, they're outgrowing their friend, you know? So it's just, that's life. You know, that's the crazy part about this life we live in. No, you're right. There's, there's that evolution. So I imagine with what your weekend held, because we talked about it last week, were you going to watch any of the Masters? I watched... All of the first round on Thursday, even when I was down at the Rockies for like their workout day and touring the concourse with the new food and stuff. I watched the entire round. I think I missed four of Tiger's shots in his opening round 71 while I watched it on my phone, mostly after I watched a little bit at home. Then Friday was Rockies opening day, so I barely watched any of it. And by the time the day was done, Tiger was kind of out of it. Saturday and Sunday, he blew up. But I still watched a lot of the Masters. Did you watch any of the golf, or do you at least see some of the highlights? Or because you just had too much going on, you just kind of know what happened, but didn't get to see any of it? I didn't see any of it. You know, I kept up with it a little bit. Uh, just trying to, you know, everyone's – and that's the cool part about it. The only reason I was keeping up with it is because Tiger. So you're keeping up watching how he's doing, and you're seeing everyone else. You're seeing – you know, people, you know, everyone doing good. You see the world number one over here kick, kicking ass, you know, the first couple of days. And you just, but then you still keep looking at Tiger. And it just shows the Tiger makes golf interesting. Well, how about you this? Know, so- no, I was going to – the I think Scotty Scheffler got $2.7 million. Top three guys were all over a million. Every single person that ever wins on the PGA Tour, just that plays on the PGA Tour, should just shake Tiger's hand and maybe give him 10% because he is the reason that these purses exploded. Well, yeah, because it's think about it. Who watched golf like that before Tiger? And obviously, you know, you're going to have all the old golf fans be like, yeah, I've, I've always loved golf. That's cool. But for the younger generation, the only reason that we watch golf and, and that we are, you know, when Tiger's on, it's like that Masters run. And you know how many viewers that got? That's probably the most that they've ever gotten. Tiger makes golf interesting. He, you know, he attracts, he's the magnet that attracts fans. You know, he brings everyone in because the stuff he does is so, you know, out, just out of bounds. And, and this how how good he's been for so long and the level of, uh, level of excitement that he brings to the game. You know, it's 
it's the reason why golf has kind of exploded. I feel like in the last 10, 15 years. Yeah. I, I, the money alone is, I think directly related to tiger and, and all these guys have benefited and will continue to benefit. Cause it's not like now that the sport has become more popular and if you want to call it mainstream, I mean, it's still not the cheapest sport to play and the easiest or most accessible, but these sponsors aren't going back in. They've realized the value of the golf audience beyond just the, the really high end brands or, or whatever it may be. Right. If you're in, you're in sort of like NASCAR. I mean, I know sometimes companies will come and go, but you, you find people that are brand loyal and golf fans are the same. So it was cool to see tiger. It was cool to see him compete. And now it'll be interesting to see how does his body respond, right? Does he bounce back? Can he play at Southern Hills in a couple of weeks? Maybe not. Does he skip that? Does he play the U S open in, in June or does he skip that and wait all the way until the British open at St. Andrews, which is maybe a more manageable course with less, less Hills. And, and of course that he's, I'm pretty sure one at, uh, that he can, cause that was kind of the thing about the masters is he, he knows that course so well that he's just playing target golf. A lot of times when everyone else can't, cause they don't have that working, I guess, knowledge of it. It was still cool to see though. And now I, I think he's going to get as close back to he, where he was as, as possible because of what a freak he is. Man, just to be able to come back after an accident like that to even play the Masters. And even the thing, you know, they were, they were talking about amputating his leg at some point, you know what I mean? And he beat how many golfers? Pro golfers? That right there just shows you how much of a freak this man is. You know, <laughs> like what he was just in this accident well, a couple of years ago and then talking about almost lost his leg. And he comes back and he's whooping ass. Yeah. I don't care if he didn't win. Think about all the golfers he beat. You know, you got all these golfers that didn't even make the cut. Right. You're absolutely right. And, and you know what I mean? So it's just, it just, it's, it's a, you know, hats off to Tiger, man, because that's, that's unbelievable. Just think about it from a sports standpoint. You just shattered your leg. You got to rehab that back and get back to form. Man, and, you know, that he's a machine, man. He's a machine. So that reminds me. Because I knew we were going to get to it, but I want to jump to it now. Uh, this story from Ian Rappaport popped on Pat McAfee's show, which I think he does once a week. And, and Ian said, when Odell Beckham Jr. tore his ACL, oh, with the Browns, the surgery didn't go well, as anyone hoped. This past surgery went really, really, really well. Now, as I've, I've now read it for a third time, I don't remember how they reported OBJ coming out of surgery with the Browns. And then obviously he played this fall with the Browns before he got hurt again as a member of the Rams. But... You've had teammates that have had surgeries. I don't know if you've had any real actual major surgeries and knock on wood, you don't have any until, you know, you're in your 90s or whatever. Uh, but certainly while you're playing, we never hear, ah, oh, it did not go good right out of the gate, <laughs> right? Very rarely. Even the stuff with Alex Smith, you know, we found out after the fact, but it does not get reported. You know what? They repaired the wrong knee or what, <laughs> right? Or it did not go good. And so he's going back under the knife tomorrow because we screwed everything up. So I'm not realizing that... Ian's reporting a story that's two years old. But when I first saw it, uh, I was like, oh, we finally get someone to admit that surgery didn't go well. Because you've never heard that. Not once. Have you ever heard that? As a fan of sports or someone who obviously plays pro sports at the highest level, you've never heard them like, oh, it did not go great. You cert- I just don't think you hear it if, it, if that... Because obviously, law of averages say it has to have happened more than just Odell Beckham. Well... I feel like nowadays, you know, with a lot of athletes, you can choose who does your surgery. And usually you choose the best, you know, the best of the best. You know, some guys don't let team doctors work on them. You know what I mean? Like, and that's that's just the nature of it. Some guys are like, no, I'd rather have, you know, 
Everyone knows Dr. Andrews. Dr. James Andrews <laughs> of Birmingham, Alabama, right? That's all you know about Birmingham is you know Dr. James I mean? like, Andrews. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's certain doctors that everyone knows is going to do a good job. But, you know, I've never, you know, when it comes to surgery, I've never actually heard someone say, oh, the surgery sucked. <laughs> but, like, I've seen I've seen surgeries. Like, I, I had, you know, in college, I tore my uh, left shoulder labrum. Um, I actually tore it in high school and I had it repaired in college. And, you know, Dr. Bear did a great job in Madison with that one. And because my shoulders always felt normal. And that's really the only one I've had. You know, usually when you hear about problems, it's with a team's training staff in the rehab process. That's usually where guys have, you know, butt heads with trainers when it comes there because they might have their own trainer saying, hey, you need to rehab like this. You have the, you know, the team's trainer saying, no, we're going to do this. And then if you know, you know, if you're a big name guy, they're like, no, screw that. I'm not doing this shit. You know, and so you get into problems like that, but, you know, it's just, man, it's very rare. I feel like when you hear that, you know, doctors, you know, hey, this doctor screwed my surgery up. And, you know, you know, that's all up to opinion, you know, and how you feel. You could have, you know, extra scar tissue. I've seen some brutal shit, man. Like when I saw Steph get her C-section, um, dude, it looked like, it looked like he was trying to open a pumpkin. <laughs> like with, like with a <laughs> with a damn uh, crowbar. Sure. Like it's just it was like it was just not smooth. It looked very painful. It looked very rough and painful. But you know you got to do what you got to do to get out there. But you know it's a matter of you know opinion when it comes to that. But usually I feel like guys have a problem with the rehab process. You know with with certain things that you know that some athletic trainers tell them. Like I've seen I've seen it before. Like you know guys complain like hey this shit is not making me feel better. I'm feeling worse. Like. These guys are trying to screw me. Like you see, like you know, when you if you're in the league long enough, you see it enough. So it's just, you know, this might be one of the first times I've heard, you know, a problem with the surgery, the, the actual surgery. Right. Because right. these guys, you got to think about it. You know, we are investments to the owners. You know, you, we're only going to get the best of the line care, top of the line care. So for them, for a team, for someone to be like this team surgeon screwed my surgery up. Like, that's a big deal. You know what I mean? That that's, if I'm an owner, I'm sitting there like, we might need a new surgeon because, you know, Odell Beckham was one of their best players. And highest paid. And, yeah. And so for you to, for his surgery to get, you know, screwed off or for him to feel like he did, then that's, you know, that's when people lose their job. Yeah. And I'm not talking about players. I'm talking about, you talking about surgeon, team doctors, athletic, athletic trainers, all that. Well, here's the thing. I understand that maybe a coach or management or even ownership at times will change docs. But typically, once you're a team doctor for, for an organization in pro sports, you remain that for a long, long time unless something goes sideways. Right? And then you're like, okay, that's that person used to be the Bulls team doctor or whatever it may be. Like, well, why isn't he anymore? Who, or why isn't she anymore? What did they screw up? That now they're just doing my knee operation and not, and not a member of this NBA team or this NFL team. So it, it was just interesting to see. The other interesting thing coming out of Cleveland is a guy that's technically still a Brown, but Maker Mayfield saying on a podcast uh, last week that he felt disrespected, and then he also said he was told one thing, and then uh, they completely did another, talking about Deshaun Watson. Uh, but then he also, I think, said he wanted to go and – give the fans a hard time at their place of work, which is straight out of the Seinfeld playbook. Jerry Seinfeld did a bit on that on a show where 
where a lady that worked with Elaine that was dating Kramer booed him. And so he went to her office and started booing her from the hallway <laughs> and talk about what a bad job she did. Uh, but where do you come down on all the Baker stuff? Who, by the way, thinks his best chance, if it's not Houston, is to become your teammate in Seattle? Um, you know, I have to agree with Baker. Um, well, just because teams do this shit all the time. Teams will tell you one thing and then go completely behind your back and do another. But here's the thing, though. When you see, just like during free agency, when you see players change their mind and go to a different team, the team's all salty and shit, and, and you got the Buffalo GM saying, like, you know, he's he has a bad taste in mouth from, the, uh, you know, the commanders or whatever, and then, you know, it, it happened twice, this free agency, where well, someone said, hey, I'm going to go here, and they said, ah, no, nah, I'm not going to go here anymore. But when a team doesn't, it's no big deal. Just get over it. But if a player does it, it's screw you, this organization. Like, like you guys, like, if they talk shit about the organization, like the other organization that didn't stop recruiting them, you know, it, it's, it's, it's putting that bad name on the players. But let the team do it. Let the team change its mind. Just like all the times, they, they, you know, we get this contract. And they cut you before it's over. Once again, that's them changing their mind. Then... It's, it's not a big deal. But let a player ask for a trade, then you're the bad guy. Or let a player, you know, it's it's constant. You know, we've been conditioned so much to be on the team's side about everything that we, that, that we you know, we don't actually look at the human being. You know what I mean? Like, Baker has a family. And, like, you got to think, this, people have families. People have, like, you know, this isn't – people just don't play football and single their whole life. You know what I mean? People, people – we're human beings. And so when you try to tell me that, oh, like Baker said, hey, they told me one thing, and then they went to the other complete opposite. Of course he feels betrayed. Of course it's like a slap to the face. Like you tell him he's not going to get Deshaun Watson, then they go and get Deshaun Watson, and then you give him a fully guaranteed contract. So it's like, okay, well, screw me then, I guess. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and that's literally what it is. And so you're always, you know, the teams always have their word until there's something better they feel like out there. But let a player do that. You know, let a player who was about to sign with the Texans for forty million or whatever, and then the Buccaneers come say, "Hey, we need you for forty million. But oh yeah, I'm out. No question. Teams can do that, but players can't. And and that and that's where the hypocrisy of this whole of the whole league in general. But then also the, another thing I think is hilarious is this comment about other people. Like if I went to your job and booed you, you break down in <laughs> two minutes, right? But once again. People say like, oh, well, you make all this money. And it's like, it's crazy because it's like, well, the owners make billions. <laughs> but, you know, you guys are so quick to be on their side. But anytime a player has anything to say that you don't agree with, you try to shit on them. And it just shows that, you know, like I said, we've been conditioned to be on the team side. And act, and for some reason, people think that the team is like them. Like they, they root more for the team than they do the play. And I get that. Because, you know, obviously, your hometown team, like, you know, I'm a Brewer and Bucks fan, I'm a root for my team, but I'm never going to shit on a player because they're human beings too. You know what I mean? I, I always thought it was crazy that like, you know, your hometown fans heckle you. It's like, okay, what if that person isn't mentally strong? You're not helping him. You're not helping your team win. You're actually hurting them. And, and so how can you call yourself a real fan? But everyone says, oh, well, it's a territory. It comes with the territory. Man, screw that. Like I said, if I show up at your cubicle and start booing you, you're going to call HR and start crying. 
And so it's just, and it's, it's once again, it's about the dehumanization of athletes. We're not treated as people. We're not treated individual. You know, we're treated as names on a paper that you can switch out and put in. It's not Madden. You know what I mean? Like, it's funny because, you know, my, you know, my wife would really show me some shit and be like, oh, well, it says something like, oh, well, I'm going to play defensive end, like an outside defensive end. I'm like, dog, this is not Madden. The overalls just don't <laughs> adjust and, and you just go out there and play. <laughs> like, that's not how this works. You know what I mean? But, you know, well, until we start thinking of athletes as actual people and, and these teams as, as corporations and not your favorite team, because you wouldn't do that for Amazon. You're not going to be on Amazon's side if they, if, you know what I mean? It, right. It's the same thing, though. Right. Amazon raises prices or screws you on a package or something or doesn't get your money back. Yeah, you're not like, oh, it's cool. Bezos is my guy. Like, I, I ride with him no matter what, right? That's just not how you, you think. Or if Apple screws up, you're not going to give Tim Cook the benefit of the doubt. You want your phone fixed or your computer fixed. Exactly. And so that's what people don't get. It's, it may be the... Denver Broncos, it may be the Seattle Seahawks, it could be the Miami Dolphins, but no matter what, if you look at who owns it, it's probably like some LLC behind it. You know what I mean? Because it's just that's just we've just been conditioned to always pick the team side, and 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 you know this is part through the NFL they dehumanized us. They, they, you know if you take the feeling of the the overall feelings that people have towards athletes and you take, and you take the human aspect out of it. No wonder they treat us like cattle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they, no wonder people feel like they could talk to us any type of way, but you say something back to them and they want to run and tell somebody, you know what I mean? That shit weak as hell. Like that's why athletes are, athletes are getting so fed up with this because there's a double standards because like, you know, fans and people who, who claim the fans of the organization they, they think you can say anything anything to you because you play for their favorite team. They act like they own you. Right. What, and, like, what money are you making off of this? You know what I mean? Not, like, nothing. And then when you say something back, it's like, oh, you're a shitty person. It's like, no, I'm a person. I'm a human being. You just can't expect to be able to say anything you want to me and, and, and me just to let it go. And, and that's a, another thing is most of these people don't say shit in person. Right. Or they say it when there's security around and there's barricade. Like, you know, they're... they're you know, they're in the section 223 screaming, screw you, Harris, and all that stuff. Like, all right, but then that's the thing. It's like, we're supposed to conduct ourselves as a professional everywhere we go. But everyone else doesn't have that capability. So, you know, it's just, uh, it, it just it, it, that shit blows my mind. Well, so I was going to get to this sort of at the end of our NFL news and notes, but it kind of leads right to where I, I wanted to get to. And I think we saw this on full display with the way the tragic passing of Dwayne Haskins was reported initially by Adam Schefter, who's a great reporter. And how about this? Adam Schefter has more Twitter followers than any person related to the NFL. He's got 9.4 million right after that's Russell Wilson at 5.6. Then it goes down from there. But Adam had a bad moment because he did dehumanize Dwayne Haskins in his reporting of Dwayne's passing. And he quickly not only deleted the tweet, he put up a different tweet. He retweeted everyone else's tweets. And then he talked about it, did three minutes on his podcast, apologize. But this isn't his first time doing sure, it. Sure, sure, sure. And that's sort of the bigger point, though, is that it's almost a subconscious thing that he goes to the commodity part of it, not the human part of it. And that's a culture that maybe he's a, a part of building as much as he is reporting on to some degree. And, and again, I like Adam. I've never had an issue with him. 
I'm not defending him here one way or the other. I'm simply saying that he had a bad moment for sure. But your well, point's bigger about... Well, the whole thing is more like this. Adam Schefter's been caught in this shit before. He, he's been caught reporting for the owners before. So he aids in the dehumanization of players. This is what he does. But he makes it that he helps the fans dehumanize us. Like, you, like literally, when someone dies, you want to talk about their struggles? How about you just talk about his life? Father, you know, son, you know, hit a girl like that's the thing. People lost somebody, and you want to talk about his struggles as a as a football player? Man, screw football, screw football. You know what I mean? But it's just um, that's that's always that's always blown me though because you know these reporters they work for the NFL, damn near. As you saw when you know all this stuff came out with the Washington Commanders, you're running articles by the you know, presidents and owners and stuff to make sure it's okay for your for you to release it. It just shows you that once again, you're never getting the real story. And once again, you know, everything's always tilted at an angle to, to show somebody the bad light. And usually it's the players. And usually it's the teams, the ones that are spinning this shit. As like literally, you can't say it's enough. Adam Schefter literally got caught inspiring with a team president on how to release a story. So how could how how could you ever believe anything he says anyway? That is that is not jaded or it doesn't have some type of, you know, back someone behind the scenes pushing the agenda. No, I uh, I think you're right. And so I did have as I wrote down all my different NFL little topics here for us to, to touch on. Did you see the Washington Commander's story about them keeping separate books and juicing the books? So uh, when they would get tickets from one thing, they would put it on concert revenue. That way it doesn't have to be split with the league. And the one thing that the owners don't like is you taking the money that is supposed to be shared because when Jerry Jones makes more money than Jacksonville, Shad Khan still gets the same percentage of the shared revenue, right? Playoff games and special events, the teams get to keep, but everything else that's a regular season or preseason NFL game is split evenly among the 32 teams. And I feel like this is truly the beginning of the end for Dan and, and Tanya Snyder and their kids who were supposed to inherit it because Jeff Bezos wants to own a team, either Washington or Seattle is what we've heard. And now it looks like Dan Snyder was going out of his way repeatedly to keep money from his fellow owners that they're entitled to, just like he gets money from the Steelers and the Broncos and the Browns just the same. And the hope is that they aren't doing this to him, right? That there is an unwritten... Uh, or maybe there's even a written rule, right, of how you're supposed to act towards your other owners. So when you saw this story that Dan Snyder and his employees were keeping money from his fellow owners it's supposed to be shared, doesn't it feel like at some point sooner than later they're going to see a forced sale? And, and then I'm just predicting Bezos. It could be someone else, but that's that's what I expect. Is it Dan Snyder? By this time next year, we will not be talking about Dan, Dan Snyder, Tanya Snyder, or their kids owning this team. You know, the one thing I will say is that is the one thing that will get him out. <laughs> Them, you know, him holding money from the other owners is the only way, you know, not the cheerleader thing or not the racism in the office. And no, you're talking about money. Now, now we have a problem. <laughs> and that, and, and that shows you, that's all the NFL really cares about is money. And so you're holding money from all the other owners, they're going to get rid of your ass. You know, and, and that's the thing. It's like you've had all these other, you know, controversies come out of Washington and none of them have really done anything you know i've done anything you know they they come out and it's like nothing gets done 
the only one that really got punished in that Washington thing was John Gruden. <laughs> if you well, really and Dan Snyder it. got fined ten million, and now his wife runs a team. But that's it. He still goes to the games, he doesn't go to the facility, but he's still getting the money from the NFL. He's still the owner of the team on paper, and his wife is quote unquote running it day to day, whatever that looks like. So, I I think you're 100 percent right. You know, and that's what I'm saying. Like, if you mess with their money, they're going, they're going to get rid of you. That, that's the NFL in general. That's the big message. Usually, the NFL sends is, you know, everything else is fine. Just don't mess with our money. So, you know, that's a tough situation to be in over there in Washington. You know, that's for everybody involved: players, coaches, management. You know, it's this nonstop controversy. But you know, that's usually you know that's the NFL for you. I think at some point the owner's going to say, is the juice worth the squeeze? And it's like, we can not only sell it, we can sell it to an owner that we think we like, that we're in partnership with because he owns Amazon. He'll pay $6 billion for it. That'll be good for everybody. And then they won't have to deal with putting out his fires over and over and over. That just keeps seeming to surface. A couple more NFL things real quick before we do our NBA playoff predictions. We saw where Colin Kaepernick and Mike Vick are working out. Do you ever see a world where Colin Kaepernick is in the NFL again and should he be looking to jump on a USFL team right now? I know they're already up and running or XFL next year just to show everybody that even though it's been six years, he can still play QB or does he just keep holding out hope that an NFL team will bring him into a camp and let him at least compete or be there in the off season or whatever. Tim Tebow got a shot at a new position after not playing for how long? And you're talking about Colin Kaepernick going to the USFL. Colin Kaepernick, we know what he can do. Even when Tim Tebow played, you didn't know what he could do. You had no clue what he could do. <laughs> you knew he couldn't throw great, and we've seen Colin throw That's the ball fine. Exactly. And so it's kind of like a slap in the face. You know, he should have been in the league, and, you know, these teams are willing to struggle than bring in a quarterback like that because they say it might bring in too much, you know, too much attention. You don't want to bring too much attention. But when it comes to attention for the team, you guys love it. Every other aspect other than when Colin Kaepernick. You know, I just feel like he just – his resume speaks for itself. You know, he played in the Super Bowl. He took his team to the Super Bowl. He's, I mean, I just remember him because, you know, I grew up a Packers fan. All the times he would shred the Packers in the playoffs. Dude, those historic performances, you know, that year they went to the Super Bowl. Like, they killed the Packers. Like, what, like 150 rushing yards, 250 yards passing. Like, this really killed the Packers. And it just shows what he can do, the versatility. You know, he's he he's been deserved a shot in this league. And, you know, it's... Um, it's really not much more you can really say. It's just like everyone knows that he's he, – there's no reason he shouldn't be on a roster or at least not be given – give him a chance. You don't even give him a preseason. Nobody would even give him a preseason to show he still got it. That's the thing. It's like, man, screw the USFL. Give him a preseason. Show, let him show he still got it, and he, he will do it with, you know, third, fourth string receivers because that, that's really the best they're going to do for him. And then give, and then so he can show you that he's still leading the franchise. But – you know, everyone's trying to say, well, he's older now. He hasn't played in a long time. Well, quarterbacks have played until they're 40. And, he, so. and he's probably pretty fresh. <laughs> he hadn't taken exactly. any Exactly. Body, body probably feels the best it has in a long time. But, you know, it's just, this is always going to be a constant thing about how, you know, they – it just sucks because they didn't repeat the same mistake because they hired Brian Flores. And the same mistake would have been – if you would have did that again, then you would have had an obvious pattern of, of blackballing people. Right that speak out against, you know, the just of the NFL. So it's just, you know, he just needs a shot, man. He just needs a shot. And maybe it's from a team. I, look, I thought the team that you're playing for, I think, has talked to him a couple times, the idea that he could back Russ up because the offense would look kind of similar because their skill sets are similar. But I think you look at a place like Arizona, places where you have mobile quarterbacks, 
and and a strong starter, but just to give him a chance to come showcase. And if look, we know guys go down no matter what. I, I think that maybe I'm just holding out hope just to see the the because I saw what a talent he was. Right, we all did. He's leading the Niners to. He was a, maybe a an electric failure away from winning a Super Bowl, and and we talk about him completely differently. Wait, hold on. So going back to this Odell Beckham thing, which I just just saw. Just clear this up. The Cleveland Browns doctor did not perform the surgery okay. on him. Okay. And it was a non-team affiliated doctor, which well, let his rehab to be longer. Well, that guy's not getting a job with the team anytime soon. So I guess once that doctor did. But okay, that's good to know. Good to clear that up. Uh, final, well, I got two more quarterback things real quick, and then we'll do our playoff preview. Uh, Cam Newton was on a podcast. Here's what I'm realizing. We need to have some. Wait, wait hold on, hold on. Before we go Cam Newton, I just want to give him the uh, congratulations my boy DC. That was the other thing I've extension. written down for the record. Yeah, I, that was I, just next. Want, I, I just want to make sure we, I want to give him a, a congrats to my boy DC on a well-deserved extension of the Raiders. You know, he's always, you know, DC's always been one of my favorite quarterbacks who came in in the same draft class. And, you know, I feel like he gets a lot of hate from, uh, you know, the Ra- Raider, Raiders nation. And it's just, uh, I, I don't get it. The grass is not always greener. You know, DC is a great quarterback. He's done good things in this league and, you know, it was unfortunate. What was that year? I think it was in 16 when, when he broke his leg. Going While they were hot, they would have been AFC. You know, I think they could have had a very deep run in the playoffs if he didn't break his leg that year and they don't play the Texans in the playoffs and, and lose with Connor Cook and, you know, Connor Cook playing quarterback. You know what I mean? So it's just, um, you know, he gets a lot of un, unjust hate but Derek Carr is a damn good quarterback and congratulations to you and your new three-year extension man I'm like really happy for you we should get him on the podcast you're not playing him this year and so yeah, we are. oh you are playing him west and west yeah you're right okay well nonetheless he's probably in a pretty good mood so we should get him on now but as I was reading the Cam Newton comments again realizing he was on a different podcast he was on the uh, I don't know, million dollars worth of game podcast we just need to get some more controversial people on so that you know we had Draymond Jones Rip Urban Meyer, but that didn't surprise anyone. Then Urban Meyer got fired. So, uh, but Cam Newton on the million dollars worth of game podcast podcast complained about women who quote can't cook and quote don't know when to be quiet. Now, a woman for me is handling your own, but knowing how to cater to a man's needs, right? And I think a lot of times when you get the aesthetic of like I'm a boss, B word, I'm this, I'm that, no baby, but you can't cook. You don't know when to be quiet. You don't know how to allow a man to lead. Now, this is him just talking about how he thinks about women. Nonetheless, he's under fire for sharing this opinion on a podcast. I just think, you know, I just think it's a little blown out of proportion because if you're, if you're offended by it, then don't talk to him. Don't be with him. Like, this isn't a, a group talk. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is what he wants. You know what I mean? Just like... If a white girl says, I don't want to date a black guy, that's what she wants. If a woman wants a man with money, that's what she wants. It's not, and, and it's completely shitting on guys without money. You know what I mean? Like, and that's the thing. It's like, but then he says she wants a woman that can cook. Okay. <laughs> good, good for him. That's what he wants. You know what I mean? That's what he wants. Why do we get so bothered by other people's opinions just because you disagree with them? He didn't say a woman's place is the kitchen. Right. He didn't like he didn't say anything like that. Like, I get you to say, like, 
you know, when he said, I guess, like, when she needs to be quiet or whatever like that, like, I guess you could try to find something, like, you can find things with that, but a lot of this is your own preference of what you like. You can't, you, you don't, you don't go to social norms for what you like. It's your opinion. If you ask me what I like in women, it could, it could it, if I say I like brunettes, is it going to offend the blondes? You know, you know, what I mean? you know what I mean? Like, it's just, that's why it's just, it's, it's about, it's his opinion. And everyone just, I feel like everyone just looks for something to get mad about. Watch the whole interview. Like, everyone looks for something to be controversial about or or, or just be mad about. And it's just like, man, he, it really wasn't even crazy what he said. It's his opinion and what he wants. So, you know, I, I don't really see all the backlash. It doesn't really, it doesn't really add up. Because also, because if a woman has standards of what she wants, just like this, you got to be six foot if I'm a date you. Just, what? <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> that's probably why, that's probably why a lot of girls that would have dated me because they, they thought they liked me. Then I stood up like, well, you're not anywhere near six feet. So you're out. You know, it just doesn't, you know, it just, I, I don't understand the backlash. Everyone has dating preferences. Everyone has. Okay, one like so. Some people, if you can't cook, it's a deal breaker. So what if you don't? If it bothers you that much, then don't be with him. <laughs> you know, what I mean? <laughs> don't be with him. Find somebody else who doesn't care. You don't cook. <laughs> that that's it. <laughs> Unless you all are waiting in life for Cam Newton, then why is everybody so angry about this? All right, let's get to the NBA playoffs and. I guess are you just gonna go? Should we skip ahead? and You're gonna pick the Bucks to win the championship, or do you want to at least go through these series real quick? And and well, you know we'll go through the series, but we do know who's gonna win it all. Just throwing that out there. And it's probably not gonna be the Nuggets this year. Although I did ask Michael Malone about Jamal Murray today, and and he wouldn't rule it out uh, that Jamal makes a return. Nonetheless, the guy's missed a whole year. I don't I don't see him uh, coming in and leading them to four series wins or, or a part of it, obviously with Joker. Uh, so, all right, I've got West and East. I've got the whole playoff schedule. I'll text it to you right now as we're talking. So you can look at it. No, I haven't. Oh, you got it. Okay. So, all right, you want to start West? You want to start East? Uh, let's just do the ones and eights real quick. Phoenix against whoever ends up winning. Oh, real, do you like the playing tournament? Have you, did you watch any of it? Do you think I, I don't mind it. I think it's kind of cool, but I also could see why some teams maybe don't like it. I don't know. The, the Timberwolves, you would have thought they won the actual championship, and TNT crew was certainly having fun with them, playing We Are the Champions and One Shining Moment and all that. But, hey, they've made the playoffs once in 20 years or whatever, not twice. Man, I, I you know, I'm, I'm indifferent to it because there's times where I'm like, oh, this is stupid. And then you see a time like yesterday, and it's like, yo, this is awesome. Like, I love it. <laughs> yeah. You know, because, you know, you're watching the, the Timberwolves or you're watching – uh, what's the other team that won? Clippers. Oh, uh, oh the Nets. Nets, yeah. The Timberwolves or the Nets, you know, the, it's playoffs started. I don't care what anyone said. These playoff games have started. This, this is playoffs, you know what I mean? And and just to know, like, you know, some of these teams, it's, you know, once these teams in the East play again, it's winner go home. You know, once these teams in the West play again, you know, once, uh, you know, you got the 9-10 game for both teams going, I mean, both sides going on today. And then whoever they, whenever they play the loser of the first game, that's winner go home, you know. This playoffs, and so it, you know, it's it's more competition. I love competition. I'll never turn down competition. I love competition, and 
and it makes it interesting. It makes the regular season worth more. You can't just really bullshit and just end up, you know, the eighth seed, you know, just like, you know, the Nets. There's a chance they could. They weren't going to make it to the, you know, to the seeding games. You know what I mean? And so the Lakers didn't. That, like, look, you can, the Lakers didn't. But, but, then, but yeah, the Lakers didn't. And But then also you have to look at the Nets now. Now it's going to be interesting to see with the playoffs. You know what I mean? Because they are the seventh seed. So, so. You know, that, that first game against Boston, I mean, you know, that first series against Boston, you're going to see some people favoring the Nets. You know what I mean? It, but, like, it's, it's, it's going to be – I think it's, you know, it's, it's fun. It, it, adds, it makes it different, and it keeps it interesting. Side note, I did not know Kyrie Irving is now Muslim, but he's fasting for Ramadan and not eating from sunup to sundown. He's which, been Muslim. Yeah, I didn't know that. I'm just saying I didn't know because maybe it just hasn't come up when Ramadan hit that he was playing or, you know, cause I know that. No, you never heard of Ramadan Kyrie. It's always like a thing. Cause he goes off every year during Ramadan. Oh, well, I guess I, I missed that on, on social media. Nonetheless, that's a hell of a performance last night, considering he's not eating sun up to sun. And look, Hakeem Olajuwon did it every year in the playoffs. So it wasn't like this isn't revolutionary, but it was just something that, that I hadn't, I hadn't been aware of. And, and Kyrie, we know Boston doesn't like him for how things ended there. It's that series is of all eight series. Obviously, being here in Denver and covering the Nuggets, I'll certainly be invested in that. You'll be invested in the Bucks, my hometown Mavs. How hurt is Luca? But the one that's the most interesting, just from a spectator standpoint, without question, is Celtics and Nets. I mean, my dog's in the background barking about how excited he is to see the Celtics and Nets. That's that's for my money. If they say, hey, you can only watch one. And you have to pick, and especially if you don't, you know, have a, a rooting interest. That's the most intriguing series to me. Man, yeah, you know that one would be really good. I'm, I'm really excited about that one. The Denver Golden State one. If Steph Curry doesn't come back, that would be a that that would be interesting. Especially, you know, two teams, both got people hurt. You know, you pretty much see what the depth is like, and and, and you know, see how how they fight against each other. But you know, I gotta go with Bucks Bulls, man. Uh, you know, the Bulls got, had all that hype, you know, throughout the year, you know, being one of the better teams, but they couldn't beat any of the good teams. And then, you know, the Bucks swept them during the year. And and I believe the Bucks. I won't say they're going to sweep them. I'll say they're winning five games. You know I mean? I'll say I'll definitely say they're winning five games, but it's just, uh, you know, the Bucks are just, I just need to, I need to see better defense out of the Bucks in order to win another championship. You know, things have kind of been... You know, a little loose. You know, a lot of you know a lot of points given up, and and but you know we got Bruce Lopez finally came back, and and I feel like we're going to hit our stride. You know, during the playoffs. Side note on the Bucks. That's an organization taking care of a guy. Look at how they handled Drew Holiday hitting his three hundred thousand dollars bonus. They let him start the game, foul a guy, show up in the stat sheet, in the box score, and then all right, shut it down. We'll see you in the playoffs. That is that's a team, and I get three hundred thousand isn't. Three million or whatever, but how many times do we hear about, especially in the NFL, guys getting screwed out of playtime bonuses or snap count bonuses or this or that because the team, you know, figures a creative way not to use them. Uh, so, props to uh, Mark Lazary and the Bucks that they had no problem paying Drew Holiday three hundred grand, get him in a good mood heading into the playoffs. It's awesome, you know. It makes you want to play for an organization. You know, in the NFL, a lot of times you see teams when you have playtime bonuses or sack bonuses and. And, you know, teams will start taking you off a third down so you don't get sacks and so then they don't have to pay you or, you know, teams will stop playing you as much so you don't hit your percentage. You know, I've seen it. I've seen it multiple times in the league. And so, it's, you know, really hats off to the Bucks organization. But doing a classy move by a player who's only done them right, you know, won the champ- they came, he came there and won the championship with them. 
um, really a classy move and, and, you know, a good gesture and something that will pay it forward for the organization later down the road. All right, so the NBA doesn't reseed, so we could actually do the whole bracket here super fast. One seed Phoenix against whoever ends up as the eight seed in the West. I I think Phoenix is probably pretty chalky for both of us, right? Do you are you going with the eight seed upset? No, so no, you know Phoenix. Whoever's in there, Phoenix is gonna Phoenix is gonna win that one. Memphis and Minnesota with Ja now back healthy. I'm gonna say Memphis. Memphis and sixth. Okay. I'm with you. I'll go Memphis in five. Uh, does Phoenix sweep, by the way? I guess we can put... Do they sweep? Uh, yeah, uh, I'll say Phoenix. I'll say... Well, it depends. I'll, I'll say Phoenix in five. Yeah, I'm with you. We'll both go in five there. Um, I, feel like, I feel like a lot of these teams have a lot more depth than a lot more... You know, it's just it's not as top-heavy as it has been before where the number one team is just blowing out everybody until they get to the finals. I think you're right. This feels this feels like a pretty wide open playoffs. It's not going to surprise anybody, I guess, if if it's Phoenix and Boston, Phoenix and Miami, or even Phoenix and the Bucks as defending champs, or Golden State if if Steph's healthy, uh, or Memphis just as the upstart team. Denver's not going to be healthy enough, but we'll get to them here in a second. So Memphis, Minnesota. All right, then Golden State and Denver. <laughs> Nineteen of the twenty ESPN experts picked the Warriors. And, you know, I think this is going to be an interesting one, but I will pick the Warriors, I'm going to say, in seven. I'm with you. I think that they're going, I think they're going to stretch it out all. And, honestly, I think the Nuggets will jump out and win game one. That That's one I think actually will happen. You know, I know Jokic is, you know, he, he's starting to lose his legs a little bit. And, and, you know, they've been playing basketball forever. But, you know, he's been doing it really with no, like, with no MPJ or Murray, but he, they do have pieces. But I just think uh, – I think they're going to – Stretch it out until seven games. All right, so we both have that. Golden State in, in seven. All right, my hometown Mavs, a banged-up Luka as a four-seed. Utah is a five-seed. Uh, I'm going to go Utah. If Luka's, if Luka's not there, they stand no chance. They stand absolutely no chance. Luka's their whole team. Utah and how many? You know, from a, from a scoring aspect to a, a facilitation aspect to even rebounds, he does everything for them. And, you know, having a six to eight point guard helps out a lot, too. So, you know what I mean? So, it's just, if, if Luka's not there, um, the Mavs will get swept. Okay. I'm going to say Dallas wins in seven games. That Luka fights through whatever he's dealing with. I mean, I guess it was that calf thing. And Man, a calf strain? I don't, you can't really fight through You a put a sleeve strain. on it. Put a calf sleeve like I do for softball. <laughs> if only it was that easy. Yeah. But, no, um, you know, a calf strain, you know, you're close to – you're really close to tearing your Achilles kind of off of that. Yeah, sure. You know, you tear your you calf, your Achilles, it's just not worth it. And I get it. They're not, they're not going to win a championship this year anyway, and, I, and, I, and they know it. So it's no point to even rush it. Yeah, they need to get him more help. Uh, how about well, – No, that's the, one thing about the, that's the one thing about the NBA, though. Teams are more realistic. Like, all right, we're not going to win a championship this year, so how can we figure out how to be competitive for next year? You know, the NFL, I feel like teams always feel like they have to, you know, have a chance until they get knocked out the playoffs. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean? But, like, in the NBA, they know, like, oh, yeah, this this roster isn't it. <laughs> you know, we right. got we got to upgrade it. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, let's do the East. How about this? We'll do the East. We can each call out an NBA champ, but then we can pick the next round and the next round. So, uh, in the East, we both like Miami. Miami over whoever they're playing and how many for you? Well, it's, I think it's, well, I don't know. <laughs> Because I think the team Miami would have to watch out for is, is Charlotte. If they end up having to play Charlotte, I think that 
might stretch them the six games, but Miami wins. Miami wins regardless. It's just a matter of how many games they end up having to play. We all know in the first round, you never want to have to take someone seven games because then you don't get any rest. And you go right back and start playing. You want to try to done it as possible. I don't think, honestly, against either team, the only team I can see in Miami, maybe, like probably sweeping is Atlanta, to be honest. Yeah. If they play, if they have to play Cleveland or Charlotte, I, I don't see them sweeping. I see, I see it going six, seven games. But I'm going to go Miami. Yeah, well, I guess. I guess we'll just have to see, but I'm going Miami too, and I'm putting it in six. We can put the star by it, but uh, when you look at Nets, Celtics, I like the Nets. I'm going to say the Nets in, in seven uh, win in Boston because Kevin Durant does what Kevin Durant does. I'll be curious to see if they play Ben Simmons in this series and what his contributions are, and we know Kyrie's going to go nuts at least a couple games, so I'm going to take the Nets to pull off the what on paper is a big upset, but also no Robert Williams for the Celtics, I think, Likely that affects what they do too, and and that's the biggest part. Robert Williams and I, I think, you know, much of the Nets and the Celtics don't have a big man. It depends, you know, how well Horford plays. But with the way the Nets play, they try to pull him away from the basket. He's going to be, you know, on the island out there. So, you know, this is another. You know, I I want to say Boston, but it's if we're talking about Tatum and Brown versus. Katie and Kyrie, how could you ever go against? How could you ever go against Brooklyn? But you know, Brooklyn, you know, and also you know Ben Simmons could come back. You know, there's been rumors he's he's going to come back and like for the series and like knows. But then also, will that throw off their chemistry? He's never playing the game with them. But do they really have chemistry? <laughs> because their team's been so disjointed. KD was banged up. Kyrie missed all those games with the COVID stuff. He's fresh too. Man, so. how could you even say they don't have chemistry? They'd be out there balling, and and yeah. Katie and Kyrie are just on a different wavelength. They know, you know what I mean? Like I think these guys, and you know these guys know each other. Like that's the thing about sports now is everyone knows each other, and everyone works together to get better. So it's like, yeah, you you kind of do have the chemistry. It's just, just I'm I'm gonna say the Nets and six. All right, you got Nets and six. I got because Nets. I just can't go against like the only you know the only person that can take down KD is Giannis, and and that's just the way I feel about it. So I gotta go. I gotta go Nets and six. All right, uh, I go Nets and seven. All right, Milwaukee and Chicago. We both got the Bulls. How many games you got the Bulls winning in? Uh, you know, Bucks and <laughs> I was, you know, you know, I will. I, I do want to say Bucks and five, but man. Man, Chicago ain't messing with us. I'm on Bucks sleep on Bucks and four. Okay, I'll go Bucks and six. I'm not ready to six. They swept them in the regular season, man. Come on, All right. swept them, swept okay, them, swept them. And to five. you got to think. Me down to five. Lonzo's out. Oh yeah, Lonzo's, Lonzo's still out. out. Lonzo's out, and is Levine coming back yet? Yeah, I don't know. All right, I wrote down five. That's the thing. We'll and see. if it's just DeRozan, don't get me wrong. DeRozan, even when it was just him that one game, he. They almost, you know, pulled it off until the fourth quarter. Yeah. All right. I got it at five. All right. Final one and for before we run uh, is Philly and Toronto. I think – did I see where Toronto is three and one against Philly this year? Something like that? Yes. And, and, and the one also, game they lost, Siakam uh, wasn't Philly's, there. Philly's, yeah, Philly's best defensive player can't play because he's not vaccinated. He can't play in Toronto. Right. And so you got to think, you know, that's a big loss. You got to go even deeper into your bench that you don't have because you traded a, c- a couple people away. <laughs> right. 
So, you know, Philly's – I don't think Philly's going to make it as far as people think they are. I, I think they lose second round. But, you know, I think they pull it off against Toronto in seven. Yeah, that's what I wrote down too. Philly in seven, they'll win those home games because they'll have their full roster for that. And so then, all right, you've got your Bucks as the champs. So my finals prediction will be – I think it's going to be a repeat of last year, Bucks versus Suns. And then I think it's Bucks and six again. All right. I think it all comes together for the Nets. It's Suns, Nets, and we finally see Chris Paul do what he hasn't done, the elusive championship, just like we saw Matt Stafford, although they've certainly had, in some ways, different careers. I think we see a storyline similar where Chris Harris, or Chris Harris, Chris Paul, CP3 finally gets that title that will already immortalize what's been a, a truly Hall of Fame career. Yeah, it's going to be exciting, you know, First episode in Seattle, I definitely let everybody know how the first week went. Like you said, first day of school, you know, coming out with the fresh fit first day. You already know everything laid out, but we appreciate you guys making it this far into the, you know, with us. You know, we're all, we're over 20 plus episodes into this and, and we really appreciate y'all. Rate and review is five stars and we'll see you next week.